We are delighted this week to be partnered up with Bird and Blend Tea Company, an eco-conscious, independent, people-focused and award-winning tea mixology company on a mission to spread happiness and reimagine tea. If you don't know Alex Light, you will not know that in every single handbag she possesses, there is a tea bag. So this sponsor is incredibly apt for us this week. So I'm about to get kicked out of Britain for this confession, but I do not love regular builder's tea. I actually prefer something a little kookier, which is why I love Bird and Blend so much. 10 years ago, they started from Mike and Chrissy's back bedroom and now have 14 stores across the UK and over 100 blends to choose from. From the traditional Great British Cuppa and Builder's Breakfast Brew to fun flavours like chocolate digestion, Digestive, rhubarb and custard and strawberry lemonade you'll be sure to discover the perfect cuppa for you they have a blend for every mood so if you are looking for an energizing kick to help you through the day or something calming and relaxing to drink to soothe your soul check them out online at www.birdandblendtea.com where you can take their tea matching quiz to find the right tea for you or please pop into one of their stores to meet some of the team to help you out. And because we're feeling generous, if you use the code DELETE22 at checkout, you will get a free sample of mine and Al's favourite tea. That's a builder's from her and a chai from me. Oh my God, why did I post that? Ah, I don't know what to do. Should I delete that? Yeah, you should definitely delete that. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Oh my god, I'm trying to... Okay, I'm trying to like un... No, that's not working. I'm trying to unnoise cancel my headphones. It's so much pressure. It makes me feel like there's pressure inside my ears when it's, it's noise cancelled. Hello everybody, welcome to a very boring conversation about noise cancelling headphones. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I'll tell you what, it does bring me onto something because I don't feel safe when I wear noise cancelling headphones because, you know, I'm like a woman in London. Did you see that yeah. Samsung advert that everybody kicked off about last oh, week? Oh my god, yes. Because every, yes. every time now I've got them on, I'm just like, if you didn't see it, basically Samsung released an advert and it was like a woman going running at like two in the morning just shoving her noise cancelling headphones on and everyone on Instagram is like right this is why you have to have diversity in your boardrooms because who signed off on this? I saw it on stories and I was like this has got to be some kind of joke and I was like well it's not a very funny joke so I'm a bit confused and it was a very serious ad wasn't it? I don't even like having noise cancelling in my own house because I'm like what if the killer comes in and I don't hear them? Like, I want to hear everything. Do you think they knew what they were doing and they knew it was going to go viral? Because I suspect that they did. Because you cannot... That is a huge oversight. I feel like that's an oversight too far. Come on, surely. I feel like we need to ask my Alex. Yeah. Hang on, hold on. I'm going to go and ask him. Oh, he's in the bath. Okay. I'm going to go and ask him a work question whilst he bathes. Hang on. <laughs> He'll be like, fuck off. Yeah, literally, fuck you. Right, well, I don't want to alarm anyone, but I can just hear a vibrating noise coming from upstairs. So I'm going to be sh- shaving or wanking. I don't know which. <laughs> Either way, or brushing his Maybe teeth. Maybe both. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's practicing his multitasking, shaving, wanking, and doing his teeth. I've said, What are you doing? Are you wanking? P.S. <laughs> Do you think the Samsung advert was deliberate to cause don't have to spell controversy gonna guess no that's not it very far away (laughs) so far away that my phone doesn't know what i was trying to say never mind he'll pick it up he's a bright boy (laughs) um hello everybody welcome to an an evening recording 
It's like a sleepover, except we're not in each other's houses. Yeah, we're just in our sad little lounges. I've got my I've got my ring light on and it just seems so ridiculous. I've got my like super bright beauty ring light on and I'm like, why? Look at me. I look absolutely vile, but anyway. <laughs> but you look like a you look vile in HD now, so that's that's special. I do, <laughs> I do. I think it's got like the soft focus filter on, so that's why I'm looking quite so stunning right now. Anyway. But yeah, so actually I did have a drink today. Oh, you did! Because you... I went, I went daytime drinking. Yes, because you had a wedding dress fitting. I did. That's my good. That's my good. Hello, everybody. Welcome Is to the it? podcast. Here's my good. The good, the bad, and the awkward. I'm talking about my wedding so much. Like, it's so I'm sick of hearing about it. It's so boring. No, it's not. It's great. We love the wedding content. The more well, just, the merrier. Weddings will are be so exciting. Soon. Oh, thank you. No, um, I love it. I'm so aware every week it's my good, it's my I bad, it's my awkward. I'm just, I'm just obsessed with my nuptials. But um, no, you're not. It's just, a, it's just, it's a very big thing that's happening in your life. Hopefully, it only happens once, and it's really exciting. So it exciting. Um, yes, yeah, so I saw my wedding dress today. It was supposed to be my final fitting, <gasps> but it was. So if it had fit and if it had been perfect, I'd have taken it away with me and brought it home but Alex is the type of person to like go underneath the Christmas tree like a week before and shake the is presents he? so I was like if I bring this dress home I know what you'll do you'll just be like Ooh, is little... he yeah that really surprises me about him I know because you think he's got be... really good self-control yeah the problem I really is, would have thought so is when he slips he, he falls <laughs> like, yeah, okay you know some okay. people can be like whoop standing myself he's just like no I'm on my yeah. face I'm down yeah. the mountain I'm covered in mud he like, snowballs yeah. Yeah. he's like an avalanche I, I like that that's my kind of guy I like that <laughs> But the wedding dress does look very nice. She just gave me a sneak peek and it looks stunning. Yeah, stunning. It's a little bit big. So they've got to, well, it's going to be a team effort uh, on behalf of the gang. Like I'm going to eat more and they're going to do a little <laughs> yeah. bit of sewing um, and just try and um, pull it up a little bit. And then hopefully it'll be ready next week or the week. Well, you better be ready next week. Otherwise, I was going to say, I, know, I, know. <laughs> I know. I'm being so like cavalier. I'm like, oh yeah, well, we'll get it when we get it. I'm like, I haven't really got this time, but anyway. It's fine. It's good. It's oh beautiful. My God. I can't. I can't believe it's happening. I'm just in like every time I think about it, I'm like, right, I'm gonna be sick in my hands. So, <laughs> but in a fun way. It's so <laughs> exciting. Oh my God! It is so exciting. Actually, I'm actually quite jealous. It is really fun. And um, what's he good, please, Your Honor? My good. My good. My good is such a fucking random good, but it's just really made my week. What are you um, doing? By no, the way? but it's like very random. <laughs> well, I'm going to show you now. So oh. I'm just thinking if I can do it. Right? Show and tell. So I oh, have. What are you going to show me? It's so scary. I'm scared. <laughs> no, oh, don't worry. It's just something from down here, but don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm. I don't think I'm agile enough to show you. Actually, hang on. Let's see if I can... It's actually so boring. <laughs> just watching you wriggling. What are you doing? I'm literally the most inflexible person in the world. <laughs> What's down <laughs> there? <laughs> this is the reveal. Hang on, hang on. Jesus, let me limber up. Hang on. I've got this thing. I've always had this thing, right? Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I've <laughs> Oh my god, I fell off my seat. 
shock. <laughs> For everyone listening, I just went flying. I was trying to show Em my socks and I just went flying off the back of my chair. Oh, God. <laughs> In my mid-30s, just rolling around on the floor to show you my pair of heart socks. Is that all that you... Is that all that they are? <gasps> no, just wait, okay? Let me tell the story. <laughs> okay, right. <clears throat> well, I wish I'd never... I, thought, I wish I'd thought of about good now, but... Um, so, basically, I have had the same socks for, like, like pro- pro- probably about, like, 15 years, right? Like but it's fine, because... <laughs> yeah, like the same pairs of socks, right? But I've got this weird thing about like I just hold on to them. And Dave is like, every day is like, yes, that's so disc- your socks are so gross. They're like, I've got so many holes in. But my like, oh, I'm really regretting this now. Actually, <laughs> is it too is it too late to turn around? Yeah, way too late. Way too can late. I, can I reverse? No, um, you're tit deep so- in this now. Oh Tell my god, your horrible is- socks. <laughs> possibly the worst story I've ever told in my life so I well, I thought the other day I'm going to treat myself to some new socks yes. <laughs> okay Alex is your good this week you're recording your audiobook you're recording an audiobook because you have a book coming out in like two weeks but your good is like let you finish it it's, it's the good that you bought so <laughs> yes but they're very cute and they're, they're they're pink and they've got hearts on and they've just really like perked up my week that was a genuinely like serious good but as I'm saying it I'm realizing how ridiculous it sounds did you just buy one pair no 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 I bought like 10 this is one of 10 and they're all different colors and I'm like, my sock drawer looks amazing. Oh my God, I love you so much. I love you so much. Did you throw away the old ones? No, not yet. Not yet. Because they've all got memories. Like one I borrowed off my sister like 10 years ago. Like, what? Oh, it's just, you know, memories. Oh my God, can we move on? Um, <laughs> awkward. Well, I've told you privately about an awkward, which... I was going to say, I wasn't going to bring it up, but... Uh... We've got a special episode coming out in a couple of weeks. I might share it then. Uh, but I don't know if I don't know if my soul can take this right now. But another awkward today. Um, so I was on a walk with my friend Fliss this morning and I was running late to take Boo to go and get her vaccines. And because I was in the park and there was this dog, like on its own like it joined my walk and I thought it was this woman's dog and then it wasn't her dog and then I was like who's is this dog and then I just realised I'd like picked up another dog and its owner wasn't anywhere so then I was like well I can't just oh. leave you so I'm just going to follow you around for a bit so I just like spent ages this morning just like following this dog around the park <laughs> it, it's, it was fine um, its owner was like why are you following my dog anyway that wasn't the awkward the, but I was the late the dog is like can you fuck <laughs> off dog's like, what the fuck, lady um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> justice for dogs anyway so I was running late for the vets so I was walking home from the park on the way to the vets and I called them to say I was running late I was also talking to my friend Fliss and you know normally when you ring somebody it goes like ring 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 you know it makes like the ringing can't remember for the life of me the yeah. noise that it actually makes what noise does it make what's the dialing tone Oh, that's it. Normally, it ri- normally there's a pause while it's ringing. Yeah. You know, pause, then it starts ringing. Anyway, it didn't, it was just silence. So I was like, oh, it must just be connecting. So I just carried on chatting with Fliss. And unfortunately for me, Fliss was talking about her horrible old landlord. 
don't know if I should be putting names on blasts like this, but anyway, the landlord was being a dick. Anyway, but we were right past her. We were walking past her old house. So I said to her, I was like, well, we could always swing round and just punch him in the nose if you wanted. And then the woman on the end of the phone was like, what? I was like, wait, what? Because it happened wrong. She just answered so quickly. And all that she'd heard was me being like, well, we could just swing round and punch him in the nose if you'd like. She was like, sorry. She was, and I was probably like, like, I'm being threatened. <laughs> Pressing the panic Help. button under the desk. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I had an eventful morning out in the police station for following a dog and then threatening the vet. <laughs> it wasn't Casual that awkward. Day in the life it was event. just like, but then you try and like talk it away and I tried to talk it away as if she was like one of my best friends. I was like, oh, ha, 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 what am I like? Sorry, I didn't realise we could. And then she's like, I don't know what you're like. I don't know who you are. Like, why are you calling me? Why are you trying to have this like banter with me with strangers? I was like, oh God, I'm the absolute worst. So, yeah, anyway, it wasn't that big a deal. Do you want to make an appointment, lady? <laughs> just, yeah, just, I'm just a bit embarrassing, really. Anyway, Boo has been boosted. Um, I, would, um, I would like to submit a double awkward this week. Oh, good. Um, Number one. Oh, so I'm um, yeah, I'm doing the audiobook recording. So I've been uh in the studio for the past two days and it is occurring to me just how much I burp. Because and it's this play like the podcast, I feel like when we do it in the studio, like I don't know, it just feels like it's louder and there's a bit more of an atmosphere and like I can burp without anyone kind of realizing. But Alex, we realize not I realise. No, I, yes, yes, but I can do it in front of you guys, right? And even if it just comes out as a little, bleh, like it's it's all right, you know. But this 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 podcast, this studio is so quiet. You can hear a pin drop, which is the whole point because it's got to be right. Fine, but there is no. I can't get far away enough from the mic to burp without the producers hearing it next door. And for some reason, I don't know if it's normal or I don't know if I'm particularly gassy at the moment, but it's like burping non-fucking-stop. And it'll come like halfway through a sentence. I'm like, I can feel it rising. It's rising, it's coming, it's coming. And there's nothing I can do. And I'm just like... For what it's worth, I think you might be doing shallow breathing because you're having to do so much reading and that's going to make you burpier. Possibly. In In my medical and professional opinion. And then... I got there yesterday and I met everyone. I met all the team and the producers and people from HarperCollins were there and they briefed me on everything. And then I went into the studio and started recording, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point I needed the loo, as one does. Went to the toilet and I've been using a new mascara and I didn't realise, but, and I'm going to show you a picture of this because it's really bad. There was an entire, like two huge rings of black right under my eyes, right where the eye bags fall. It was like I had painted it on with eyeliner and smudged it. And I was like, why would no one tell me that? Horrendous. Maybe they thought you were trying to be trendy out. Look, they've seen you try your heatless curls. What's to say that you're not euphoriaing? Look, we've it hung out with Sophie Butler. She, we talked about her unique makeup looks. You did spend the weekend with my sister. Maybe you're just yeah, I was trying say. out some new shit. You know, everyone, everyone's aware that you're out yeah. there doing your best. I felt <laughs> stupid. So there we go. Oh, Very no. fucking stupid. <laughs> anyway, you're bad. Well, um, okay, look, we decided last week that the bads were going to be optional, but I've decided I've actually got a personal bad, but I've also got some like news bads. 
So I'm just going to kick off my personal bad. It's a small bad. Um, well, actually, I say it's a small bad. It's, it's completely ruined my life, but I'm I'm fine. Um, Alex was in the bath the other day, having a bath, having a really nice time. There's a theme here. Alex loves a bath. Mm. Um, yes, yes. Yes. Alex was in the bath and a fucking spider crawled out of the drip, like the, 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 the bit, you know, where you like gadunk it to make no. the flood go in. And he said it just no. came out and it just went straight at him. Now, I hear you, like, that's not my bad. Like, I don't need to make Alex's trauma my trauma. Apart from the fact that I tried to have a bath yesterday and I realised yeah. that nowhere is safe, nothing is sacred. I trust no one. I will never be able to close my eyes in that bathtub oh, again for fear of death. Never. I don't think you should ever go in that bathtub again. What did it do? Well, I mean, it was a spot. Like, got up, sang, sang, sang the piano man. Um, <laughs> what do you mean it? Well, it was a spider. Okay, well, what cool. What do you think it did? I Great. Mean, it just, it well, just did, I mean, did it, it just walk? Did it, well, did it, did it swim? I don't know. Did spiders swim? Did it well, swim? Well, some did it... spiders can... So, and I learned this the hard way. Some spiders can come up the drain, as happened at my mum's house. They were living in the drain. And they can, like, sort of make these, like, oxygen bubbles around themselves so that they can survive in the drains. So we had these, like, big, chunky boys, like, coming up. Well, actually, women. I actually learned loads about spiders at the time, but this could be another plastic moment. So I'm not going to say anything with a lot of confidence. <laughs> but I believe that when you see a... Conf- when you see a... Conf- when you see a spider kicking around it's normally a gal and she's horny and she's looking for a for a mate so basically if you ever see a spider out and about they're randy like they're they've got an agenda you know what i mean like they've put their little red shoes on the red red light on they're roxanning really yeah so anyway i got these fucking horny spiders in the bath and i just oh my god I feel like I've just learned something new, but I'm dubious at the same time. No, 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 but there is, there is definitely merit to that one. So, so, so I, I thought that was a myth that they can come out the drain. I didn't think that actually happened. No, no, happened. no, I've seen it with my own eyeballs so many times. My ah. mum's house is like chock-a-block with spiders. And actually, you know what? Like, I don't mind a spider. Like, I, like, I actually made really good friends with a spider during lockdown. They're hung from the blind in my mum, in my bath. My mum's house is like, old. Oh, you know, you just can't, you can't stop. And I don't, I've never intentionally killed an animal. It's really not my style. So I'm like, look, I'm not going to kill you i don't want to touch you so we're just going to have to learn to coexist you know what i mean and i think as long as they're still and i'm still and we're cool i know where you are you know where i am we know where we stand but it's when they're on the move yeah because i'm like what way yeah, are you coming yeah. because you've got That's eyes real all the way around you've got legs all the way around and yeah. yeah i just i don't i don't like it when i don't know where i stand and when they're coming yeah. out the drain i don't and i'm vulnerable because i'm naked and i know they're naked but i feel like it's different it's different. <laughs> also, they could, because you're naked, they could, I don't know. Oh, oh. Well, once a spider fell on me when I was in the bath at my mum's house again. Uh. And it fell onto me. And I honestly, I stood up, sobbing wet, and I ran down the stairs fully naked. And I was like, ah! like <laughs> screaming. And my sister was like, what the fuck? is happening I was like Ugh! and then I had to rationalise that literally like a side spider the size of a 1p coin had landed on me and I had reacted like the biggest loser ever so I'm trying to grow up I'm trying to mature but I just I feel nothing but I feel no safety I, I know I'm a prisoner in my own house and that's quite bad so that is bad what's your other bad well, my other bad... I don't know, I just felt the news has been like a massive kick in the teeth this week. I, Roe versus Wade is ru- rumoured to being, or the first drafts of what's coming out of the Supreme Court looks like Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned. And uh, that absolutely terrifies me. Like, the, the, the fact that 
abortion is being criminalised in a Western country. Yeah. Like, the fact that we're going it's backwards like this. Like, you know, I think remembering, obviously, the, the vote in Ireland in 2017, like, that was close... I mean, obviously, geographically close to us in England, but also really close to me and Alex because Alex is Irish. So, you know, we were really, like, aware of that debate and it was such a massive day and, and movement that abortion got legalised, you know, and still not, you know, not not completely and whatever. But in that was a huge step forwards, that, that decision that they, that they reformed the eighth in Ireland. And I don't know, and that felt really good. And then obviously the same in Northern Ireland where the same laws apply in the Isle of Man, I believe, which is where my mum's from again. So I don't know, it felt like in, in lots of ways in our life, it's been going so forwards and that's so positive. And to see it going backwards is just like terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, like I know, you know, particularly if you're active in these spaces and you're aware of the news and stuff, and, and you'll know this already, but criminalising abortion doesn't stop abortion it just stops safe abortion like it this is going to kill women it's going to ruin women's lives it's going to cause huge so so like sociological problems economic problems mental health problems like it is the most catastrophic decision and it's being made completely by men and it's fucking infuriating so that's felt Mm. really bad like I, i i genuinely believe the threat to women that the republicans are terrifies me um so, yeah. yeah, that's felt pretty bad. Do you know what? I found, I fell down a pro-life uh, rabbit hole on TikTok. It's huge on there. Like, absolutely huge. Yeah. And I don't know if you've come across it, but, oh, my God. I was it's like, just, but it's not, like, it's the, the, even that language, like, pro-life, it's just like, you're not pro-life, though, because by the same stroke, you're allowing guns, which, by no. the way, are the, literally the antithesis of life. But you also... Right. You're also oh if it's gay if it's trans if it's whatever then then you're not pro it probably if it's a woman then you're not pro it you, the minute that baby's born you don't give a fuck about it anymore which means it's not about the yeah. baby it's not about the life it's about the women and the control over the women a hundred percent one hundred percent it is infuriating yeah it's actually interesting talking to my vicar the other day about the wedding. And he literally kind of was, we were talking about, you know, like my feminist principles coming into the church and stuff. And he was like, well, you know, if you look at it through the feminist lens, maybe it is a bit hard to swallow. So maybe it's best just not to look at it through that lens. I was like, what an incredibly distressing view to have. (laughs) (laughs) Look, if you don't look at it through a feminist lens, it's really not a problem. I'm like, that's literally like, okay, we've just solved it, guys. I tell you what, just look at it. Nailed it. Yeah, just a completely different perspective. And it's really not a problem anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to totally adopt someone else's beliefs and morals and views and values. And yeah. there we go. Yeah. Sailing fun. through life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, I don't know. The news is just feeling like, oh, it's just fucking bullshit, isn't it? So that annoyed me. And that, I feel like it's a bad. That's a, that's, that's, that is worse than Spider in the Drains. Tell me something bad. Tell me something bad, Al. So, audiobook recording. Sorry to go back to it, but uh, Are you that's recording all an audiobook? Yeah, <laughs> just just like I've lived in Paris. Um, and so audiobook recording, second day today, was going really well. I, I, I suddenly thought, I think I'm losing breath a bit. I think I'm kind of losing my breath. Uh, and that was kind of the beginning of the end, really. I of spiraled. Your life or... <laughs> <laughs> of the day. I spiralled mentally um, because... I, the more I was thinking that I was losing my breath, 
the more I was losing my breath. And I, I started, you know, when you're like on the verge of a panic attack, not to make it like too oh, deep, no. but you know, this when everything starts, spiders in the bath. No, 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 no. But you know, when everything starts tingling. Yeah. You get it in your fingers. Do you know what I mean? Like your face tingles and, and you get that like hyperventil- hyperventilation feeling. Right. And I was like, I don't really know what to do here because people are looking at me and they're waiting for me. And I feel like there's a huge spotlight on me. And all I can think is I can't breathe. Oh, it, it didn't sound as dark <laughs> in my head because you know when you're speaking you have to keep speaking and and you can't stop and I kept stopping to take breaths and it sounded like <laughs> do you think they thought you were being possessed <laughs> literally <laughs> anyway but <fuck> diet culture <laughs> yeah that's why you shouldn't diet <laughs> Fucking mascara, like, down to your chin. Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, this girl, this girl is so fucking weird, man. Yeah, she keeps burping. she's burping. (laughs) I bet they've had some, like, they probably had, like, Stephen Fry in that room and, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, George R. R. Martin and then you. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, yeah, that was my bad, which sounds darker than it was. It was just me getting in my own head. Anyway. I'm sorry that you're panicking in this, but I don't blame you. It's a small windowless room and it's all day. It's It's just the sound of your own voice. And when you start focusing on a little thing, it's like, you know, like I get that. The minute you, because when everybody always says to me like, oh, deep breathing, I'm like, I hate deep breathing. I don't want to focus on my breathing because the minute I start focusing on it, I start overthinking it. Even though my jumper specifically says, don't overthink it. (laughs) Don't overthink it. I ignore it. You know, like four people have used that expression to me today casually. And I'm like, are you saying that because you can read it on my titties or what? Don't overthink it, babe. Yeah. Should we move on to that part of the episode where we... uh, talk about how good the interview is yeah and and, and i know it's actually but actually, but actually this one such a good interview this week's guest is a phenomenal sophia viraji sophia lost her daughter azalea to leukemia last year and in her memory has started the azalea foundation saf came to talk to us about this about her grief about life since losing azalea and really about the work that she her ex-partner ashley kane and and so many other parents and and children are putting into the azalea foundation it is a non-profit organization fearless in the fight against children's cancer and it was such an honor to speak to sophia about the work that she's doing the work that she's done and of course about her beautiful daughter azalea it was so incredible to see what this woman and her ex-partner are doing in the wake of such a tragedy um but something that really stuck out for me from this interview is how she talked about turning their pain into purpose and that's really stayed with me it was so inspiring and actually really uplifting and her resilience is just incredible and it was fun. it was fantastic to interview her, wasn't it? It was. And this episode is coming out today, which is World Mental Health Day. And there mm. really wasn't anybody better to speak to. Uh, like, and, and, and we've taken so much away from this. Honestly, by the time the interview finished, me and I was just staring at Saf being like, mm. oh my God, you're amazing. <laughs> um, so although like 
of course, it, you know, we do cover some some really tough stuff and, and it isn't an easy conversation. It is a necessary one and it was so beautiful in so many ways. So I really hope you enjoy it. And, and we are going to leave a link to the Azalea Foundation in our show notes. So if you can or would like to donate anything or get involved, uh, even if it's wearing orange for Azalea, we would absolutely recommend it and love it if you could. So the link for that is in the show notes. So let's hear from Sophia. Hi, Sophia. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. We are recording this episode a couple of days after the anniversary of the loss of your daughter. It's been a it's been a year, um, and we can't even sort of imagine what a traumatic couple of years it's it's been for you with everything that's gone on and and you've been through so much. So we want to thank you for being here and like talking to us today. It can't be easy, but as we're going to go into you're doing so much good in her name and it's amazing and we're excited to spread the word about that and help get the word out there so yeah thanks for coming on thank you this episode's coming out on mental world mental health day and that's incredible what a great time for it to be coming out and you've just had your book when by the time this airs your book will have come out will have been published on thursday we're going to assume that it's gone brilliantly so we're yeah. gonna it already has um, oh. we, we have pre-order already and yeah. pre-orders have gone absolutely incredible amazing I think there's so many people out there that um, have been inspired so much by Azalea's journey and it's touched so many people's hearts it's created so much awareness Azalea's saved and helped so many lives um, yeah. that the book has just been incredible so far um and i think so many people will learn how to cope and to not feel alone as well and i think sometimes in different situations we find that we're alone and we're by ourselves. when in fact it's just because there's not enough voices there's not enough platforms that are speaking about this and it helps our mental health it helps our um delivery to speak to one another so comfortably for sure. It's going to be a really, really powerful book. And it's called Loving and Losing You, Azalea. Is that right? Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And it will be yeah out now for anyone who wants to buy it. Yeah, definitely. Um, the reason why I wrote Azalea's book as well, um, I, I call it Azalea's book because oh, I feel I like that. I'm her mom and I'm just delivering to the rest of the universe her story, her journey, because she's not able to do that. Um And when we was in hospital, I was hoping and praying for a much happier outcome of everything. And although I shared everything on my Instagram, there was so much that people didn't see. Um, You know, when you see when you see six clippets of my day, um, Instagram, it's their 15 second clips, which totals to sometimes a maximum of two or three minutes out of my 24 hours. Yeah, it's nothing. Um, Yeah. And everything was just unfolding so fast. I had to write a diary. And um, writing this diary just helped me not miss anything. Um, And later on down the line, um, I knew that I wanted to write a book for Azalea for when she grew older so she could understand why she was an inspiration, how she changed so many people's lives, why she has a foundation. Why? Because regardless, we was always going to do a foundation after this experience um, and this journey with Azalea. But we wanted Azalea to obviously be here um, and be a part of her journey um, and grow up to really be a good advocate for childhood cancer. But obviously that wasn't the case and we sadly lost Azalea. And we put it, I put it aside basically for 
a long time and then later on Ebury contacted me and said would you love to do a book for you and Azalea's journey from a mother's perspective and it's been the best therapy for me. I was going to say, yeah. is it? Yeah. yeah, I've never ever put pen to paper and done a diary. It was just a huge step. And when Ebury contacted me and asked me, would you like to write a book? I thought, wow, look at that. That's the universe. That's law of attraction. Yeah, for I was sure. thinking about this book way early on. And now it's been presented to me after Rosalie has passed. I wanted people to really learn and help them cope. Um, my book goes through many things of grief, depression, um, having azalea, being pregnant, um, previous experience of um, domestic violence in relationship, going through my beautiful journey with Ashley and our relationship together and how it was so difficult and how we were so excited together. Like he's he's literally like my best friend. That's so nice. It's so beautiful. Like yeah. it's, we have a relationship and a tie together that will always continue to stay strong. And, you know, because of all of this pain, and now having Azalea's foundation, we work so strongly together. Um, our mission and what keeps us here on earth and has kept us here on earth for the last year is Azalea's foundation. And really changing um, so much with childhood cancer, you know, at the yeah. moment, you've got all these parents and families in hospitals, you've got children daily, five children a day are diagnosed with childhood cancer. There's four passings a week of childhood cancer and it's still considered to be rare. And while it's still considered to be rare, then it's going to be underfunded and it has less than 3% of funds, um, you know, that goes towards it. And our children are worth more than 3%. And for us, it's that's really helped my mental well-being by being able to pour my pain into this charity and it's actually kept me here on earth. And doing my book has been great therapy to keep me here. And I hope so many people learn and understand through it to know that in the darkest of your times, you can still create light that is still light. And it might not be in yourself, but if you can just spread that light somewhere else and fill someone else up, you will end up filling your own heart up. And it's amazing that you're doing that. And it it's feels like you're sort of putting your all and and Azalea's legacy into making things better for other families down the line and for other children and stuff. But like in my head, I'm thinking it would be so easy to, I guess, retreat from the world after something like that happens to you, you know, retreat from the world and just sort of stay hibernated. Sort of, yeah, yeah, hibernated. Yeah. And like unable to face the world. Was that something you had to push against or did you feel like no this is what I'm compelled to do um I want to you know this is going to be her legacy and was there any of that where you were like I have to get up and sort of face the day and get on with things I felt like for a little while that I think that this was a sign from God like and I've never been religious and I've always felt like I'm more spiritual as in like law of attraction. And I just felt like that Azalea came to earth. It was COVID. The world went quiet. Her story happened. Her journey changed so many people's outlooks on life. And then when COVID was finished and people were starting to say finished, but um, when 
lockdown stopped, should I say, and people started going back out again, it was like the world got put on play and then she passed and she was out of here to leave me with a purpose to continue to really help so many families and children. Can I ask what Azalea was like and 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 how being a mum was for you? You know, you say like law of attraction and stuff. It really feels like like you feel like she is your purpose. Like, she is. Yeah. Um, for so long, I was unsure about having um, a child, not because I didn't want one. It was because um, when I grew up, I didn't have my real dad um, to be there for me. So I kind of wanted to make sure that I had my daughter or my son. I didn't know obviously what I was going to have, but I wanted to give my child a father that could really be there for for my child. And um, for me, I was so happy and blessed. I mean, like Ashley was like, if he could have had a child within the first week, I think, bam, really? <laughs> we would have been there. But um, <laughs> like, we've got such a strong relationship. And for me, I knew that I wanted to have a child with Ashley. I knew that he would be an amazing father. And he really, really showed that um, through thick and thin um, with Azalea. And Azalea was just... For, she was just such a good baby. Like, even from the moment she was born, it was COVID. I was in hospital, had an emergency C-section and couldn't get out of bed. And she was an absolute, like, ray of sunshine. She was just a delight. She wasn't needy, demanding, screaming her head off. She she was just real chill um, and made my experience like, wow, what's even everybody going on about? Like, children are hard work. Like, <laughs> you know, like, this is really easy. Um, and I think it was the fact that I was enjoying it. I was enjoying motherhood, like, being pregnant and being in lockdown. I didn't get that luxury of being able to go out and buy prams and get everything together. Yeah. Um, I was ordering offline. I wasn't able to, like, go and get all queue over, like, outfits and them things normal people are able to do and I I wonder like you know you're doing that during which I, I suspect like I, I don't have a kid but like, I suspect for so many women who have babies or, or couples who had children during COVID mm -hmm. yours and Ashley's bond over your baby will have been so big because you don't get the it's, it's such a shame you don't get baby showers you don't get like you don't get the the kind of excitement out the house you know there's quite a lot that yeah. comes to baby you know pre is it antenatal and that antenatal sort of thing. classes so yeah, yeah. Through, through the pandemic yeah. there was no antenatal yeah. classes so you really I guess had to support and each I other and I feel like yeah I feel like that played a lot with my mental health because I feel like men don't understand um so much that women actually go through and I feel like to express to a man is completely different to then going to an antenatal class to express to people that are used to that and because it was so new to me and it was so alien I didn't quite understand what that popping feeling was like when they're moving or what's meant to be happening, my back aching and hurting. And I didn't really know what or how to deal with these things. Um, what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, what's yeah. this, what's that, what you should give them, what you should buy. It was so difficult to to know. They say it takes a village, don't they? And I suppose they say, like yeah. it takes a village to raise a yeah. to raise a child. And yeah. like I think that starts probably right at the beginning. And it must have been really isolating with COVID to have yeah, to it do was, it. All it was really own. really difficult, and I think it played a lot with so many people's mental health alone, let alone to be pregnant and then have that anxiety of thinking you could potentially be giving birth to your child by your 
yourself, mm. just with do doctors and nurses, um, because at one point they weren't allowing um, the fathers to be in there when the mothers were giving birth. And that was like horrific Actually, what the mothers were going through. Yeah. Because if I didn't have Ashley by my side, I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't let go of this guy. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was not allowed to sit down, and uh, <laughs> it was just knowing that he was there um, through gas and air and everything that I had. It was like a great comfort, yeah. um, and I think I'm so happy that he was able to be there because. I wanted him to be there for the birth of his first child. Mm. Um, and I think taking that away from a father um, is something that people don't really think about because I feel like men kind of get put to the side and sometimes women, you know, like we can make it all about us all the yeah. time. And like for him, I really wanted to make sure he was there for his um, the da his daughter's birth. Um, and I'm really happy he was now because I think it's a moment um, that he can always take with him. It's actually a wild time, like thinking back on it, of course, like, you know, we didn't have that perspective, which we would, I mean, I feel very lucky because it's unthinkable. But I remember, like, you could go and watch football, like they were letting yeah. people watch football and they weren't uh, letting partners be with their, yeah. with, with women as they were I having mean, babies. Yeah, like, it's it's just absolutely insane. Yeah. The amount of women, um, you know, that I was hearing, even I was using an app, I couldn't believe it, I was actually using an app to tap away to know when my contractions were because I was scared to go into hospital because I didn't I didn't want to have Azalea without Ashley being there and I yeah. thought I'm gonna wait right till that last very second and then I'm gonna get rushed right over there and yeah. that's what I did did you? Mm, I waited for every last second. And then she was an emergency cesarean. Yeah, and then so I was like labour. So yeah, um, yeah, emergency C-section is what I ended up having in the end. And um, yeah, I mean, Ashley was like a great support to me. Um, he really was. I'm so pleased you had you got to have him there with you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Would, could you tell us about Azalea as a baby? Like, obviously she's a dream. But yeah. You're, like yeah. her early life and I suppose like later her diagnosis. And... Yeah, so Azalea's, um, Azalea was like any baby that was, you know, just very, very cooey. <laughs> like, she was just like a warm breath of fresh air. Um, she was soft. She was gentle. Um, and she was just very easy to look after. Uh, very easy. I found motherhood a lot easier than what I was expecting. Um, I found that I was learning so much along the way. Um, what time she wakes up, what times I feed, what's this, what's that. It was so exciting. She was, yeah, she was just a really easy baby. I can't even say anything more than she was just a very easy, pleasant baby. Were you breastfeeding? Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so I was feeding her at the time. Um, so that was, like, really new um, because I weren't too sure whether I wanted to or wasn't because I know that, like, some people are like, oh, like, you must and you... You're pulled apart as a new mother that's never had a baby. Like, you must do this and you should do this. And sometimes that puts a pressure on, like, a lot of pressure on you to think that, like... Oh, you know, like your partner's mother wants you to do that, and then yeah. you, your best yeah. friend's telling yeah. you that, and then the dad's telling you that, and you actually Fuck feel like up. torn apart yeah. um, as a as like a new mother. And I feel like Azalea just led me. She yeah. led me the way. She, she, I just communicated with with each other. Our energies were so strong together. I knew when she needed feeding. And I I knew everything that she wanted. She was happy, and then she got like really poorly um 
very fast it was a turnaround of her her illness she became like very congested um it was nearly six weeks when she was meant to have her injection and she was very congested so the doctor said we won't do the injection because it's she's let's wait until she's a little bit better um i took azalea to the doctor many times um gave them phone calls she had spots of blood in her nappy um which i thought was unusual so i rang monitor and monitor she was congested nasally couldn't breathe properly um we got sprays for a nose she had thrush on her tongue they gave us drops to put on her tongue I took her for a checkup, um, and then one day um, I came back to change a nappy, and babies are changing. You're changing a baby's nappy continuously, and then just out of nowhere, this lump appeared in just like her groin area. And because I do aesthetics, I know that like when you feel a bruise, a bruise should be flat, or if it it shouldn't have a lump underneath it. And I ran my finger across this bruise, and I could feel a lump. And I knew straight away, like I had this gut feeling. I thought, oh, something's not quite right. And I thought, oh, maybe somebody's held her and bounced her because Azalea was a little bit uncomfortable and she bounced and the doctors was telling us that she had colic, she was on Infocol. Um, I took her and gave her more Aptimel, um, because I thought we thought that maybe she wasn't getting enough feed from me because I was breastfeeding. So we, um, we tried everything. We even gave her... Um, constipation sachets to help her go to the toilet when in fact it was leukemia that was clotting the whole of her body everywhere and then within a click of a finger we're in hospital um in great care by Birmingham Children's Hospital that was absolutely fantastic and then that was it our life's changed and it's never been the same since but throughout that Azalea was a breath of fresh air, honestly. She was so happy. Um, I think it was the energy that we always gave to her as well because babies are sensory. And I think, you know, if I walk into the room with you and I come in with a sad energy feeling to it, you're going to think, oh, you, your mood's going to automatically mirror mine. And with a child and a baby especially, they're all about sensory. They don't understand what we're saying. Mm. They pick up on pitches, tones, music, yeah. sounds, happy high voice. When we speak to a baby, we're always like, hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what we're like. And with Azalea, giving her that energy, um, that's why she was so strong. Like I 100% believe her energy radiated through. That it must have, have been, been <laughs> 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 I must have, to have been given that diagnosis and then to, you know, try to continue giving her that energy. And, it wasn't and about us. That, is, yeah. that, is that how it yeah. felt? Yeah. yeah. I think you can either make it about you or you make it about your child. Your child comes first in every instance with whatever was going on. And I learned that as soon as I uh, became pregnant, that it's not about me anymore. I was no longer looking for things for me. I was looking for for Azalea. And as soon as we was in that position, it was, this isn't my time to wallow in my self-pity and my, my pain. It's not about me. This is what is best for my daughter um, and what is best for her. She needs to see a smiley face. She will smile if she sees me smile. She will play if she sees me playing with her. She will interact. And, like, literally, she was so strong. And the doctors were telling us she's not going to be able to sit up. She's not going to be able to eat. And I just, like, every time they got out of the room, I was like, right, Azalea, we're going to learn how to sit up. 
you know, a, a couple of, she was like three months old. I had her in a bumbo seat, sitting her up, putting pillows behind her back um, to give her that strength to, to start going forward. And she, she had that developed. She, she was eating. The first thing I gave her was a rusk. And I'm telling you now, she made such a mess with it. But she was loving it, (laughs) absolutely loving it. And she radiated it. And she really showed us that putting that energy into her really made such a difference. Take yourself out of that equation. Your child will always and should always come first. That's, well, yeah, I mean, that's amazing that you were able to do that because I I feel like it would just be like almost impossible. Don't get me wrong, at first, at first... Um, it was difficult. Um, I mean, it was kind of like I had my fingers in my ears for everything going on around me. I kind of felt like maybe we're going to have like antibiotics and it's going to be 48 hours and we're going to be out of here. When I realised that wasn't the case, I started taking my fingers out my ears and started listening to what was going on, um, soaking up all that information and education and using that to help me get through um, and making sure that Azalea was protected and had the best treatment that she could possibly have. Did you get support in this time? Like, were you able to have people around you? The hosp- I mean, you said the hospitals were amazing, but for your, I guess, like mental, you know, you've got to stay so strong for her. Who was able to help you be strong for her? Uh, nobody. Um, just myself. A, a parental instinct helps you. Um, we was offered, um, myself and Ashley was offered, um, counselling um, through our, our journey with Azalea. We didn't take counselling through our journey because Azalea was keeping us strong. Um, it wasn't about us and when I say it wasn't about us, the great thing about me and Ashley, we was on the same page all the time. Yeah. Um, we was each of those backbones um, through that journey. And we really, really felt like there was nothing more that we could have done. Um, and we know, and it sits comfortably with us, knowing that we fought our hardest together for Rosalia. Yeah. Can, can I ask about like sharing it publicly because that must have added I suppose in a way a support and a strength but in another way it's such a vulnerability that you've to have in order to share what you're going through because there is I guess that uh, you know when you're going through hell it's like you just want to put your fingers in your ears right yeah or just you know be in your bubble with with Ashley and Azalea but but you shared it and as you say because you did and because you continue to you have all saved countless lives and so like it's it is phenomenal what you've done but I just wonder like what that experience was like because it's so unique yeah so um at first it was for me because it was kind of like I had my fingers in my ears I didn't I didn't want to face what was going on um me and Ashley sat down and had a conversation with one another um you know of of the realization of what was going on um and when I talk about sharing my journey with Azalea, if you have some really good food in front of you, I'm just giving you a comparison here. If you have really good food in front of you, you want to show everybody that food because you're like, wow, look what I'm about to tuck into. I was so proud of Azalea and her beauty of what she was doing and that this diagnosis just kind of was over here. And it was like, 
guys, look, look at my beautiful daughter. Look at her playing. Look at her enjoying herself. Um, look at her. Look at just look how beautiful she is. So mine started so um, innocently because my platform was quite small. So for me, it was sharing it with like the people on my Instagram that like, oh, look at my little baby. Um, and then it developed like like within a click of a fingers, it developed hugely into something else. Um, and I didn't want to change who I was. I didn't want to change the fact that I want to show my baby to the world. And for me, it was look at her play. Look at her dance. Look at her playing with her toys. Like, why should she be treated any other way just because she's poorly? Um, you know, there's many women on Instagram that um, show their babies because they're proud of them. For me, I was exactly the same. I was so proud of my baby. And just because she was diagnosed with childhood cancer and leukemia, why shouldn't I show her the same way as every other mother that's got a healthy baby? Um, why should I be looked at in any other kind of way of feeling like, oh, I need to keep that private? What? Why? Why? Why is that? So me changing that dynamic of that is how now so many people be able to speak so much more openly, and I feel like that's important because a lot of people think that just because your child is poorly um, or there's something going on that's crazy that you should hide away. Um, it's time we shared our experiences, talked up, spoke up, and it. it why should you cocoon yourself into this like? dark place of depression when really you need the most help and support that you will ever need in your life right now you know so like for me I would never change that I mean this question always gets asked to me quite a lot and like regularly in interviews and obviously again like now in this podcast and I feel like people don't see this angle of the reason why I shared my daughter and like it's the first time I probably actually expressed why I showed my daughter? Why should we? Why should I hide away in a in in a in a box room in a in a hospital and be ashamed um, and live there in in fear and cocoon myself? Like why? Like I want to show my daughter the same way you're showing yours. And, Absolutely. You know, like, and I feel yeah. like that. There's so many people now through um, our journey that are actually doing that, and like they're not afraid like to speak up or to show that they're child poorly why should you hide away and it's teaching that diversity around now that you know if you see a child that has no hair another child now knows because of azalea oh that's got that feeding tube through the nose oh azalea had that and that's that child and they're heroes i want children to really grow up supporting other children and take away that closed mindset of why we shouldn't share each other's things. Like, we're living in a society now where the diversity is huge. Um, and people should speak up. If you want to show your baby, you show your baby. Right. If you want to eat chicken for dinner, if you want to be a vegetarian, if you want to be a vegan, you do whatever you want. If you can go to sleep and feel clean in here and your mindset feels happy, yeah. that's all. That's, that's the most important thing. I, I'm not, not a mum, but I do feel like the the dynamic changes so much for women when they have children on social media because there is so much like expectation of what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing and who's doing this right and who's doing this wrong and like it's actually so wonderful to hear you saying that it was 
as simple as you wanted to share the joy and 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 also accepting that life is in so many ways for so many people just so painful and it's horrible really that we've created a whole other reality with social media where we just omit that because like you say it just you just end up feeling shame and loneliness and that's where that's what hurts people the most is this like isolation that we create for ourselves and I love that there's this this side of social media where we see where we see what hurts us because or we see what hurts others because it also hurts us and and you feel so supported and did did it feel like that did it feel like on balance that you really had support from the community that yeah. you guys built honestly like I have never experienced ever the amount of support and love from a community. And it put my faith back into humanity. I feel emotional. <laughs> I do. It's like... <laughs> <sighs> to see people being so kind and lovely and supporting my daughter and us as a family through the most horrific thing that anybody could ever go through is just so beautiful. I experience social media in a positive way and it's just been so beautiful to know that when I go to Asda, when I walk down the street, if I'm doing my shopping, I will get somebody probably come up to me that will speak about either Azalea or their experience that they went through as a parent, a mother, a child, whether they've lost their mum, their dad, their husband, like... People come to me now and they speak to me because they know I'm so open. They feel like they know me because I'm so open. And there's people that speak to me that have gone through so much grief and pain that they don't even speak to their closest people. But yet, me as a stranger, they feel like they can come and just speak to about it and, and, and let their feelings out. And that's the beauty of using a platform in the most positive way um and turning your pain into purpose is just something that we do daily and although when I wake up and I open my eyes every day it just comes flooding down and I mean I take that time to myself I do my prayers I connect with Azalea I feel like I'm spiritually connected and I just feel like I take that gentle time for myself to just really um be able to get through the day ahead of me. Um, I don't know how my day's ever going to go. I could have a good day and think, right, today I've got X, Y, and Z ahead of me, which is, for some people can think like, oh, wow, like you're going to get to do this and this and this today. As long as my purpose is serving the foundation for the children and the families, my heart's filled. doesn't matter what I do, even talking on your podcast now, you know, it's a platform to be able to speak, help children, help families, and create that awareness for childhood cancer. Like, that is always my number one thing to do. Can we ask about the foundation? Yeah, so the Azalea Foundation is here to fight against childhood cancer, to advance early diagnosis and new treatments in the UK. And for us, we use that platform now to work really hard on changing a system that considers childhood cancer to be rare. Because while it's still rare then that means that there's going to be underfunding. And there's less than 3% of funds go to childhood cancer. And like I was saying to you guys earlier, um, 
our children are worth more than 3% and the Azalea Foundation is there to make that change, to use that platform to grow and help all of these families. And we're building relationships with medical institutions. Um, there's so much that's going to be coming out. We've had to build, a, honestly, it's, it's a world that we've been thrown into. So to learn the dynamics and put the structures together um, it's, it's been really challenging as well as going through grief at the same time we've really really tried to help so many people we've helped multiple children now um, with treatment abroad um, we've bought equipment and research that we're investing in and it's changing so many dynamics already um, Anthony Nolan contacted me they actually messaged me on my Instagram the other day on Azalea's anniversary to say that because of Azalea's um, getting everybody on the donor list it's actually gone on to help five people for life-saving treatment from her donors um so although these incredible people that have gone out their way to to get on the register five of them have now got a second chance at life so it's 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 absolutely incredible and we keep using that and fueling that for the foundation and People are joining in. I mean, like this weekend, I just did over 50 miles while Ashley and the team did 100. They they oh, ran wow. from Nuneaton at Azalea's Memorial Wall um, to Trafalgar Square. Um, wow. You know, like we're doing that to raise awareness as well as raising funds and as well as bringing so much change and dynamics to all this thing. And we're working. Today is the first day as well where... Parliament are actually talking about childhood cancer for the first time um, and th- she's um, a lady who lost her daughter um, she's she's been fighting really hard uh, Sophie's legacy it is um, to go into Parliament and change things and it's been great now because we're all on the same wavelength and you know our CEO has then joined up with Sophie's legacy and they're in parliament together and you know like we're all working in our pieces together to put it all together and it's just it's just wonderful to see that so many parents out there are actually turning their pain into purpose and yeah. making a difference for we don't know who's going to one in two people get diagnosed with cancer and it's horrendous the statistics so if it's if it's funded well I mean, Azalea was having adult chemotherapy at eight weeks old. That's not changed. It's not because changed. Because there isn't... There isn't no change there for um, chemotherapy. So um, the treatment for babies, babies is adult... adult chemotherapy. Ke- yeah, it's horrendous. It's, oh, it's, my God. It's, it's so bad because a week before, um, or two weeks before, Azalea couldn't even have cowpaw. But, yeah, she's, two weeks later, she's on adult chemotherapy. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to change a system that has been underfunding childhood cancer for too long. And this is to change a system. It then enables GPs and medicals to be able to have um, the funds to be able to change education, to help research and change everything in the labs that they're doing. And it gives them that freeness to be able to use them funds to to think of new ways of how to do childhood cancer gives them more option it gives you more leverage doesn't it to yeah. to do that it's honestly so incredible what you're doing really and that you're doing it with Ashley as well yeah and that you're working so well together oh. it's so cool it's amazing me and Ashley are honestly um such a great team we're we're both 
we both have visions in a different way, which I think works so beautifully for the foundation. Um, Ashley's got his own visions of what he wants to do. And I have mine. I do like wear orange for Azalea as well now, um, which I've talked to so many different schools. Um, and that's to kind of create that awareness for children to be kind to one another. Um, there's so many children in schools that are suffering with childhood depression. Um, they're from loads of backgrounds of life. Um and they don't get the support and that love and that affection at home. And if they can see that in schools, it can really change their dynamics for when they get older. And that trauma will be able to change if we can try and change that in the schools, as well as obviously it was always raising awareness for the foundation for children in cancer. It's to help the other children in school as well, you know, through their mental well-being. And it's so important. It what the Azalea Foundation is just bringing so much diversity and all I want to do as together as a team is just bring that community, knit us all together and have one mission to change the way that systems are run. Yeah. Can I ask about Azalea's treatment? Because that seems like beyond anything that, you, that it's adult chemotherapy. Does that mean that in, I mean, you can't answer this question probably for every parent and every yeah. kid because everything's different. But for Azalea, did it mean that the doctors were having to improvise with the treatment that they were giving her because there isn't a sort of set um, process or I, I, I don't really... So what they do is it's been... Obviously, there's no childhood um, chemotherapy. So for... Well, still now, um, they're using adult chemotherapy. And I don't know why but I just know that it's underfunded. So I think that if we can change that funding system of childhood cancer being rare and changing that system alone, I think that we would be able to then give them more funds to be able to look into changing the chemotherapy because, and this is why it is, it's like on social media, all these people are just closed away. You don't, you don't see this. It's only because we have a huge platform where we're speaking about this now. Otherwise, if we wasn't, mm. it would still be pushed to the side. So, yeah. like, you wouldn't know about it. We wouldn't be here having this conversation. Yeah, it's um, huge. A lot of people don't know that children are being treated with um, adult chemotherapy. Um, and there's so many amazing institutions out there at the same time that are working hard. Um, they are working tirelessly and hard and they're such inspirational people, people that are in the labs. Um, you know, they've got heart and passion in what they're doing and it, it really it really does make a difference the more people we get on board for this um and taking it to parliament as well it's huge yeah um i loved i love that turning pain into purpose, purpose yeah that's you so know, wonderful i felt like um after azalea had passed i didn't know if i was going to be here anymore my my mental wellness um really took a huge hit um I just wanted to be in my car and somebody to take me off the road or just to keep driving and just to smash into a wall or um, I wanted to be at Azalea's garden all the time. And I just thought, well, the the best way is for me to be at her garden all the time is by not being here. And then like we have, I can be there with her. Um, I can be up there with her. Um and then conversations that me and Ashley had to say, look, you know, like Azalea's watching, we need to make her proud. Um, she fought hard for her life. Um, we need to serve her purpose, her legacy. We need to continue. And mm. our 
our life was meant to be dedicated to Azalea and our watching her grow up. And I say Azalea's foundation is my baby. That's it, it's in its infancy right now. And it's just going to develop and develop and develop into something that will hopefully last beyond my years. When did you make the decision to start the foundation? Was it an obvious thing, an obvious choice? Or Me and Ashley wanted to do a charity in honour for Azalea. So when she grew up, she had something to really stand strong by. And it was just something that we wanted to do to help children and families. This isn't just because Azalea is no longer with us. If Azalea was with us, we would still be doing the same. Um, there isn't a voice out there that that's screaming loud enough and knocking on doors. There yeah. isn't. There isn't nobody out there. I mean, I say there isn't anybody out there. There's lots of people out there. Sorry, that are working hard, that are trying to change the system, and we need more of them. But so this was something that we was doing anyway. Yeah, we wanted to make a difference and we wanted to make a change. You know, like conversations we'd have on the phone when one of us were at the hospital and one of us was at the hotel um, would be like, you know, like we need to change something here. Like it's it, this is crazy. It's nuts. I can't believe we're thrown in this world. Like we didn't even know it existed mm. as in like you're so wrapped up in your own day-to-day -day life. Yeah. You know, for me before I used to walk around and I'd see people with a miserable face that would be rude and ignorant towards you over something so small. And I think, God, like, why are you being so miserable? Or like, God, put a smile on your face. Mm. And it's now I've, I've developed into to such a kind person because of Azalea to think that that person is might be having a really bad day because you don't know what's going on at home. Yeah. Do you know, it just struck me when you said that you were thrown into that world. And I guess this is the harsh reality of cancer is that yeah. you you know nothing about it. You have no idea. And then suddenly you're in the thick of it. You're in the deep end and then you've got to learn all this stuff. And as a new mom and a new dad, as, as new parents, mm. that must have just been like so overwhelming and so just hard to grasp but it just struck me when you said that you were just suddenly like thrown into this world yeah, it was it was like a catapult one day we was just kind of wondering oh like what are we gonna do um yeah. tomorrow um uh, like we're, we're just learning new parenthood um and then bam click that is it life's done it's, yeah. it's never been the same again um and never going to be the same again and I talk about Zalia and her legacy and the children that are fighting because there's so many people out there that are struggling with their mental health um whether it's they've suffered with domestic violence whether they're having a bad day in their job whether they have got relationship problems, whether they are grieving, whether they have just been diagnosed with something, it is continuously out there in every single one of us. We've got an issue, we've got a problem, we're struggling with something and we're facing a battle every day. Sometimes you might sit there and think, you know, like, no, yours is worse. But do you know what? When I leave you, you're still left with yours. So there isn't no worse then I kind of look at it as, you know, like if that's really affecting you, I get friends sometimes that might just go, oh, you know, my day, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll go, oh, my God, I feel awful. I feel awful. How am I even complaining about this? Because, you know, it's nowhere near to what you've gone through. And I say, 
but that is your struggle. And if that's your struggle, you need to get it out and express it. And I'm here as a friend to listen to you. Yeah, you're amazing. You <laughs> are. You're amazing. Yeah, I'm completely obsessed with you. I think you're amazing. <laughs> yeah. oh, thank you. We, we, I, this is so much of this rings familiar in my mind I mentioned before we started recording that we did an episode about grief once and and it was with my amazing friend Lizzie who describes grief equaling love and she says that ultimately that your the the grief you feel is equal to the love that you had so to feel such grief is in a, in a way a blessing because it, you know that you felt so much love yeah and and I, and I really feel like it, there's so much of that in this and as well you know turning your pain into purpose it feels like it's such a balance that you're you're using the the worst force and it's like this is really nerdy that I'm going to use this comparison <laughs> but I don't know if anyone's seen Harry Potter at the end of the seventh no. film <laughs> sorry anyway it. it feels like it feels like such a beautiful coming together of powers and you're you're turning negative energy so much negative energy into something so positive and it's stunning yeah. like it's amazing it's so powerful and I always use that term like you've just said grief grief is something where Grief is love in my eyes and it's somewhere where you don't know where to pour. It, grief is because you can no longer give it to that person. Grief is love it's with pausing. nowhere to go. Yes, grief is love with nowhere to go. That's perfect. Glad you said that for me. <laughs> um, and I think what I do with my grief, I pour it into the foundation. I pour it into the children and the rest of the families. And um, using pain to purpose is something we need to speak about more because I feel like I could have easily turned to drink even though I don't yeah. even drink I, I mean I say that and someone will see me out now with a drink somewhere <laughs> I like casually having a cocktail but like now when it, I have like a couple of drinks um it could have easily turned me down a path of wanting to blur out my mind and to drink um and to just like go off the rails um and I feel like I had a choice of taking antidepressants and I chose not to take them because I wanted my mind to be fixed it's not fixed but I wanted my mind to be run by me and I have no problem with antidepressants or however anybody feels like they need to cope there's so much so many people that I spoke to on antidepressants that really really helps them and I'm so happy that it does and that's what their body needs for me and I talk about myself I didn't want to go down the route of antidepressants because I wanted to be in control of my own mind and like I didn't want to drink alcohol because I'm going to face it at a later date so yeah, I need to deal with yeah. this now and head on um and get the therapy and the help I need and like my book was my therapy and I felt like you can blindside things you can push it to the side for so long but you know what if you've put it to the side and it, in five years it catches up with you, I guess what, you're going to come crashing down like a ton of bricks. Mm -hmm. And for me, I felt like I took them slow steps. I always say them baby steps. Honestly, like I couldn't even think to sit here by myself and speak to you guys at one point. Um, and that's only just months ago. And taking them baby steps has helped me climb them mountains now that are in front of me that I want to do. Um, and just by being kind to yourself... I kept thinking, like, everyone's saying to me, stuff. be gentle to yourself. And I think, gentle to myself? Like, what do you mean? Like, I need to do this and I need to do this. Yeah. I was expressing myself into cleaning irrationally because I didn't know what to do with myself. My mental health was just going absolutely awire. 
and I was cleaning Azalea's garden like frantically. I wouldn't let anybody touch or put anything anywhere that I thought that wasn't didn't look pretty or she would look down and think, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I became uncontrollable because I didn't know how to deal with grief. And for me, you will never, ever stop grieving. When people say it gets easier, it does not get easier. And I feel like that is a complete utter ridiculous sentence you know it gets better with time it does not get better with time you learn how to grow around it and build yourself and carry that grief in a different way um of 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 experiencing it yeah I was gonna ask you about that actually because I saw that on your Instagram yeah you said that it does it doesn't get easier like it's yeah I think it's such a huge thing like people really and as well with time, people think that time is a healer. Time is not a healer. Time is just time. Like time <laughs> yeah. is just time. You know, yeah. like they say in Vegas, there's no time. Do yeah. you know? There yeah. is no time on grief. You're gonna grieve forever. As long as you love that person, you will grieve forever. Yeah. yeah. This is so much of this rings rings true with the conversation that we had with with Lizzie and she says that it's been 20 21 years since uh, since her her son died but she said you know the the joy is that you do get to carry the love and and i i love that that grief equals love for you as well um and that you that you you are able to use it so beautifully um but as well you know you're saying that like you you kind of you you didn't cut you couldn't know how to cope after Azalea passed and of course you didn't like and this is the same thing you know you said you're thrown into the world when she was when she was diagnosed and it's like you're thrown into a whole nother world after uh, after she passed and there is no rule book there's no no... but I think that there's been a huge expectation on us as well (laughs) which has been really difficult to kind of like hold together um I think because we wanted to do a foundation and that expectation of us wanting to help children and families um I think sometimes as well as that beauty that we get and like so many people really believing in us and having so much inspiration and taking so much from us you do still get a minority that are there um ready to pull you down and for me I find that like really disturbing that we still have a population out there that considers themselves to be right just because they assume something um and i think changing them dynamics and learning and teaching people to be kind will helpfully dilute hugely that population that is out there that underestimates um what we what we are doing can I ask about that, the, the, yeah. the minority that have been not supportive? Because unfortunately, like like you say, we do exist in a world that is not all sunshine and rainbows, obviously. And that does mean that there are, for lack of a better word, dicks in the world. Yeah. Um, but I wonder, like, I mean, has that... Has that impacted you at all? Like, how, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm assuming, sadly, that there, there will have been some negative comments along the way. And I wonder how you've dealt with that, because that just seems... I mean, so rotten that anybody could yeah. say anything to you at this time yeah, or I, any time. Yeah, I think um, experiencing um, a very small percentage, yeah. um, and I don't ever acknowledge that percentage as well. I mean, this is probably one of the first times I'm speaking about... We don't have to talk um, about it. No, 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 no. Like, we will speak about it because um, you've asked a question and I like to speak about things and just be, like, so raw and open. Um, and I feel like... I. 
that small minority um, that chooses to be ignorant um, is a reflection of themselves, um, of their own behavior, of what they would do as a person and how they would behave as a person. So for me, I don't allow that energy to even come into effect anything that I'm doing because I go to sleep with a clean heart. My daughter's watching me. We are doing this for her legacy. Um, and I just don't allow it to, to come in. Um, don't get me wrong, we're all human and I hear these things. Um, but if somebody was to tell me I was green and I'm sitting here and I'm green, am I gonna believe it? Yeah. No. But sometimes you get people that talk and make stories up um, and sound so convincing about these stories that you think like, oh my gosh, you know, and all I say is, you know what, anybody that knows me um, knows our purest intention. And if you follow my Instagram, you see how open I am. Like you see my heart, my soul, I pour into everything and you know, I just think you're, if you are getting a hater, it's because you are doing something right. If you have somebody that has uh, a thought about you and it's wrong, it's their own ignorance and it reflects them hugely of their unintelligence mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as them as a person. And I think it's really, it's a shame that we're still having to fight that population off, um, not only for myself and for the people but I mean I'm sure that you guys get it as well you know where you get a small fraction of people that really want to you know let rip on you and you just think wow have a look at yourself in the mirror and see how much greatness you're bringing to a society <laughs> yeah. and if you're not then you I think you need to keep your mouth closed yeah. and see the beauty you can see through our at the Azalea Foundation and through me and Ashley of creating so much awareness um for childhood cancer, we could be sat on our backsides doing nothing in a room with nothing to say, nothing to do, making no change. And the fact that we're still grieving and we are pining for our daughter, but yet we are making a difference, it's shameful on them people. It's shameful. shameful. The fact that anyone has anything yeah. to say yeah. that's even slightly negative is so disgusting. Yeah. But you're right, it's yeah. just so much about them. It yeah. does, like, yeah. If, you, if you've got it in you, you feel sorry for them, but otherwise you just hate I them. I do, I feel sorry for them. And I think me going into schools as well um, and bringing that kindness into schools, you don't know if that child's parent is a kind person, mm. but as long as that child is growing up, knowing that yeah. kindness is beautiful, that's sending like a huge message to that next generation that we've got ahead for us. Something else I just thought about as well is is another sort of insidious side of sharing your, you know, Azalea story publicly and you being in the public eye comes with it, like press attention. Has there been a negative side to that? Like, has it been a bit intrusive and like, you know, your split, which is like with Ashley, which was super amicable. You guys are like the best of friends, but was there, did it feel like there was a lot of intrusion and like people and like the press, especially being kind of nosy about like what's happened, like what's gone on, you know? Do you know what? One thing about this and what you've just said is they've been so respectful. That's great. So, good. so respectful. Great. And I'm just really grateful that they've been so respectful to us um, and they see so much that we've been through. Yeah. They see what we're doing for children and the families and they've gave us that respect. And um, we wanted to announce it on our social platform 
because we didn't want to give a story. We didn't, it, it wasn't an opportunity to kind of, okay, let's have a glossy magazine of why we split. Yeah. It's, that is taken away from the purpose of what we are trying to achieve. And again, it wasn't about us. And they've been so respectful and like, I'm so grateful that so far, touch wood guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> They've been really, really good. Yeah. Uh, and they're so supportive to the foundation and everything that we're trying to achieve. Amazing. Um, so I'm really happy about that. Brilliant. <laughs> you yeah. deserve all the love. You do. From anybody that yeah. experiences Thank you. the work that you're doing. I just think it's so admirable. It's incredible. And you're literally yeah. saving lives. That must just feel, after everything you've been through, so amazing to know that there are other parents out there and, yeah. and maybe the kids don't know about it yet, yeah. but but because of Azalea and because of you, yeah. that that they like you. They saved can be hard. Like I've still got friends that we was friends when we was in hospital, and their children are still battling through childhood cancer at the moment. And they always send me messages like, "Thank you so much for doing this. This is so great." Like I'm in the coffee room, and um, you know, I'm one of the parents are talking about you and I'm like oh I know her I, like Azalea we was here and we'd be in this in this on the same ward and you know like that's so beautiful because on that ward is so lonely that taking me off that ward and Ashley and now voicing it like this is just incredible so how can everyone listening how can we all support the Azalea Foundation what can we do by supporting the Azalea Foundation, I think that, you know, if you go over to our Instagram, you give us a follow, you can keep up to date with what's going on on the foundation. Um, we have a link click as well. If anybody wants to generously donate to the foundation, that always goes a huge way um, in making things happen to advance childhood cancer. Um, and showing that support by getting behind us and really, you know, if your children are there and they're wanting to wear orange for, uh, orange for your schools, contact your schools and really get involved with... Um, with our charity and if there's any missions that Ashley's on you know yeah. I'm sure we'd appreciate a few people running and climbing <laughs> mountains with them um, I'll, I'll uh, I knew you were going to volunteer <laughs> me <laughs> to you yeah. <laughs> I felt yeah. that I was like Alex is not going to volunteer for that one that'll be on me um, but that and, and and your book came out and your book so yeah. people can buy your book yeah my book and then I did a, a yeah. collection within the style just not long ago um and that was a clothing range that I did with them where 100% of the profits were to the Azalea Foundation. Amazing. I wanted to do something. Um, when you look at charities, we're in, we're like 2022 now. So I look at a charity and think of what I used to think of a charity when I was younger and you would get a little pin badge or, yeah. a, little or a little wristband yeah, yeah. or a piece of paper or some kind of like, I, I don't really know, but it wasn't very exciting as in like, the things that you got for it were just a bit like, oh, okay, like, mm. I just got a bit of that. And, you know, you're probably going to leave it on the side, tidy your room up, and then yeah. it'll probably end up going in the bin. <laughs> yeah. um, I wanted to do something that was very current and very young as well. I bought a, a collection out with glitter bows um, for nails. Loads of girls have their nails Amazing. done. So 100% of the profits from the nail artists up and down the country went to the foundation. It enables the girls to still work. It enables girls to support a charity and look and feel good at the same time. It gives them confidence in how they are, that they're supporting. Also, with a necklace I did, um, I worked alongside Abbott Lyon to bring out an Azalea Foundation necklace. And that's just a nice piece of jewellery, you know, that like a nice little gold necklace that you can wear 
and support at the same time, along with in the styles collection, we've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, we've got sweaters that you could wear, um, where they're just like super cool and cash. Knowing that 100% of profits is going to the foundation by you buying them pieces is just really nice. You get to take away something good and you know at the same time you're helping a great cause. It's just so beautiful. So cool. It's yeah. so cool. Well, you're, we'll say again, you're amazing. I'm, I'm <laughs> and you guys of, are. Like, you guys are. I, I am. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys are too. Um, we, if there's ever anything we can do. Yeah, we like, are 100% behind you. Here, that mountain's waiting for you. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I will be behind you. you to climb Everest. <laughs> in a cyber online <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> no, but whatever, wherever support it is that you guys yeah, can give. Sure. You know, whatever we're doing, even if it's just something as simple as what I say is a share on your social platform. Sometimes when you've asked me, like what can people do if you can yeah. share and spread that awareness for childhood cancer that's yeah. the greatest message that we can ask totally thank you thank you so, so much thank I've you so it. much yeah it's been absolutely amazing to talk to you yeah. honestly we can't wait and to see what you do next yeah we're excited yeah exactly yeah thank you thank you let's go champ <laughs> <laughs> hello we're back we're back as if we never left <laughs> it's still dark <laughs> like it's still, it's basically midnight, we've been here for so long. I know, this recording, honestly, poor Daisy, our producer. Um, I have an, is it just me? Uh, hey, Amy, Daisy, Alex and M. Love it. I love I love that Amy and Daisy are getting put before us now. That's fantastic. I know, I like that I'm on the bottom of the pile. <laughs> yeah, you really there are. no pleasing something. Like, we are impossible to please every time. <laughs> Why are we fucking reviewing these emails like we have any right? We're so lucky to be getting any. Literally. And ignore us. Ignore us. Let us moan. <laughs> it's good for us. It's humbling. Um, loving the pod. In all honesty, it genuinely feels like chatting to my friends and I really feel like part of the gang, which I thought was so nice. And I actually thought like I'm going to read that out because that is so nice. And I feel like, oh God, what am I turning this into? But I feel like that's what we wanted to... That's what we wanted to do, isn't it? Like, I don't know, make it yeah, just I mean, like... Yeah, actual... any gang that me and you had would be the saddest gang ever. <laughs> Like, what would our gang do? Like, I don't think our gang would do anything cool. You know, you think of gangs, you think they're going to, like, deal drugs or, like, you know, go to cool raves and stuff. What would we do? It'd be so boring. Yeah. Um, I mean, wow, that is sad. I couldn't even yeah, think of one sad. thing. We, like, what's, <laughs> just give me one, one law that we'd break. Like, together for fun. Um, oh, oh. Maybe like parking in the wrong spot or something. You don't drive. You don't drive. You'd be a shit gang member. Yeah, but You'd be I'd be instantly. I'd be the passenger. I'd be the one egging you on. Go and park there, park there. But that happens anyway. That's, that's not illicit gang activity. That's just my shit driving. If you're listening to this, um, if you're listening, obviously, anyone here, hello. If you're listening, obviously you're listening. What else would you be doing here? Um, if you're listening to this... Um, I'm sorry. If yeah, yeah, I'm also sorry. Please DM us and let us know what our gang, what what our gang would do, what our yeah. cool gang would do, what what crimes we'd commit in the gang, what we'd wear. What? How do you picture the gang? M and Al, a gang. M and Al. Okay, so back to the, is it just me? Um, so firstly, she uh, she wrote a bit about the semen allergy. You know that we talked about it last week and she agrees she's got it too. But it led her on to this. 
I don't know if this is suitable pod material, which means that it will be. And <laughs> I've been a bit nervous to ever talk to anyone other than my boyfriend about it. But here we go. I've been living with my boyfriend for two years now and we've been together for six and a half and our sex life has just really dried up. He works really late and so is usually quite tired and because he's busy with work I tend to see friends etc in the week. We've tried putting in date nights but they often fall through because of work and tiredness. He never moans but I'm starting to think it's just me because I feel like the whole thought of it is just too much effort. And I just don't really fancy sex in any way, shape or form. When it happens, it's enjoyable, but I'm just never that interested in initiating it. And to be honest, I'm starting to think he feels the same. Am I broken? Is it going to ruin our relationship? And is it just me? The, I, there are so many resources um, available for stuff like this. Like the, off the bat, I want to say follow the sex doctor on Instagram. Follow, uh, read the book, The Mind Sex Gap and download Beducated, like they're three off the top of my head really good like resources for sex stuff um which is worth considering but also like i'd say a hundred percent it's not just you and it's something that nobody talks about like in I, I'm, I'm guessing your age but like um the fact that you want to be in a gang with me and l pretty means that you're probably not in like your 40s and your 50s <laughs> um so i'm gonna guess that you're younger um and like nobody talks about this um like in our age space basically and it's like this thing that only affects women in the menopause like that's how we speak about it and that like you know you just i don't know it's such a like a ridiculous and toxic rhetoric around it like oh you're only drying up when you're old or whatever and like what you know once you wed them they don't shag you anymore i don't know whatever you know there's just like so much bullshit about like older women not having sex and i don't feel like there's any conversation for like younger people but like it's obviously it's completely natural really that you go through highs and lows as a couple for what it's worth um i've noticed a massive change in my own like thoughts and everything around this since coming off the marina coil like that made a huge difference to me and i didn't realize how much of a difference it made um but i think there are so many factors in our life that we don't consider like stress being one of them hormones being another like work frustrations whatever i think it's worth more than just a date night sometimes because you can bail on those and it's really easy like i would suggest going away for a dirty weekend somewhere and like and making that the the point but not in a like oh i've got to like shave everything and wear stunning laundry and all this shit it's like no i'm just gonna go and hang out with the guy that i love and spend time with him and reconnect with him and just totally yeah. take the pressure off i was gonna say without any pressure like if it happens it happens and if it doesn't it doesn't but the more pressure you put on yourself the more difficult it's going to be and then the higher expectations that you set as well so i think it's just to try as much as possible not to get yourself stressed about it because it's just going to compound the problem but also as well the pandemic has been i read an article on the bbc i think it was that talked about how toxic covid has been for our sex lives because we've been i mean it's been terrible for our mental health as well which is a huge factor in impacting sex drive as well um so don't underestimate all the factors that have gone into it yeah i know it's really hard because i think there is a huge pressure on this side of our relationships and also like you'd be remiss to like you know to completely neglect it is a shame because i do think it's a lovely way of like connecting with your partner and being close to your partner and 
And I do think sex is important, but it shouldn't be at the expense of your friendship. It shouldn't ever feel like something that you owe the other person or that you're failing in some way because you're not giving it to them because it shouldn't be some exchange where you give something and, and, and they get it. And that's how so often how we speak about sex. So I think like, and it doesn't have to be like the full fucking shebang all the time. Like it doesn't always have to be some like sesh you know what I mean like even just getting back used to like touching each other again holding hands again like cuddling in bed like all of that stuff kind of and and there are ways of like if you want to spicing shit up but if you're feeling tired and a bit pressured then you probably don't even want that it's just a nicer way of like reconnecting but I think it's worth acknowledging that long-term relationships you have highs you have lows Mm. I think particularly now coming out of covid we're busy everybody's working dead hard everyone's going out with their friends making up for lost time our mental health's taking a battering no one really knows where they stand and so i wouldn't worry like i think loads of couples go through this sort of thing all the time um but i really would recommend like just reading around it and i do think it's shit that things like this are such a taboo this girl said she hasn't even she hasn't been able to mention it to anyone like this is the first time that she's mentioning it to anyone and i think that's such a shame we should we should be able to speak more openly about these things. And I bet, you know, she'd find that if she spoke to her friends, a lot of them were feeling the same way for all the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, pandemic and stress and busy and, you know, work is chaotic for a lot of people. And your hormones change as you get older. That's the other thing. Nobody talks about it. But you don't have the same libido as a teenager that you do as a in your late 20s. And then again later and then again. And also for men as well, like their libido changes and fluctuates. And I I had a girl message me, actually. She DM'd me um, asking if I could ask my followers for advice because her husband just wasn't as interested in sex that he used to be. And that as well is such a taboo because it feels like, you know women we you know you know stereotypically we like sex less it's not so much of like a uh, a deal breaker for us but men are all like testosterone and gotta have sex and if they don't want sex there's something wrong with them and I feel like that's such you know it's such a shame as well because there's a lot to that and I think men aren't able to speak openly about this topic either so yeah I think it's cool that we're talking about it and and the the, the sole reason I mean I guess that women don't aren't haven't got the same vested interest in it is because we probably won't enjoy it (laughs) like statistically speaking like yeah particularly you know like not with a long-term partner you're probably not going to enjoy it so why the fuck are you you know wanting something that you won't enjoy yeah. You know, and you said that, you know, sex is enjoyable, but I get that feeling where you're just like, that's can't be fucked, do you know what I mean? Um, but I think you both need to find some time together where you where you haven't got the stresses of your real life mm. and you can kind of work out together like what you want to do. I think trying to put all this new shit in is so hard when you're like just at home. So whether it's like going on holiday or just for a weekend or just I don't know, having a no phones in a bedroom for a bit, or just trying something like that. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but it's yeah. good to try. Worst case, you get a good night's sleep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's be fine. <laughs> and I do think small steps as well. I think rather than, like, you know, just chucking everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, I feel like just take it easy and be slow and gentle and not just, you know go from zero to a hundred because again that adds so much pressure and expectation and just yeah i think it'll come back for what it's worth i think you're just going through 
peaks and troughs, undulations, whatever they're called. I, yeah. I'm literally 100% sure it will come back because I think this is really normal and I think we'd know that if we fucking spoke about it, but we never do. Yeah. I've got, uh, I've got something, I've got an embarrassing story. I've got an embarrassing story to tell you. Okay, hit me. And then we'll let everybody leave. <laughs> Hi, Alex, M, Daisy and Amy. I love Aww. you guys so much. Um, she didn't say that I was saying that to the listeners <laughs> but she did say I love the pod so basically there's a lot of love a lot of love love's flying everywhere uh, so I was crying laughing at last week's episode and you've inspired me to share a secret poo story that I've been carrying around in shame for a number of years now Oof. here it goes it's a long one I hope she means the story not the poo um, it was my first why is it like every week we just talk about shit it's literally every week it was my first week at uni and I was staying in halls of residence sharing a flat with seven other people we had three communal loos one night during freshers week Mm. all of the loos were being used by people being sick or passed out on the bathroom floor and the flat was just generally chaotic with people coming and going from a pre-drinks party we were having that night I really needed a poo. I had been really anxious about moving away from home and I'm generally not the best at meeting new people. So the stress of all of that meant I hadn't actually done a number two for about five days, I think. Oh, bless her. As I was now more relaxed from the alcohol and making new friends, my body decided it was time to release. The only problem being where to go. I hate this story already. I decided I had no choice but to slink off to my room and do a poo in the bin in the bin yes in the that's bin. right i took a drunken dump in my wife's bin in the bin. bin in her room oh no i threw the contents of the bin all over the floor and unloaded it was massive it was oh. honestly probably the biggest turn i've ever seen i was always <laughs> proud but my proudness quickly turned to panic because now what was i going to do with it I decided to use a carrier bag to scoop it out of the bin. I wrapped it up tight and hid it under my bed. Don't ask me why. My drunken shame, this seemed logical. I sprayed some body mist for good luck and then left my room and went back to the party and then to the club. I woke up the next morning with the worst hangover and to this horrible smell. I thought it was the drains or landfill smell coming from my open window. It was then that I remembered (gasps) the poo and I reached down under the bed and there I was... There it was, wrapped in a carrier bag, stinking to high heaven. So what do I do now? Do I empty it into the toilet? I knew it was pretty massive, so what if it doesn't flush? Then I thought about throwing it out by window. In the end, I decided I'd wait for the cover of darkness and sneak out to the big bins outside and dump it in there. I was in full catastrophizing mode now. I was in deep. My flatmates started to wake up and were knocking on my door to chat about our night out and show each other the awful drunken photos we'd taken as had become a ritual of ours. But I couldn't let anyone in otherwise they were going to be potentially in danger of catching a whiff of my bag of shit hiding under the bed and then my life would be over I'd be the weird poo hoarder from then on so I had to pretend I was really unwell and couldn't leave the room I didn't eat a thing all day from the stress of hiding a mega poo and basically I was being (laughs) held hostage all day by a giant shameful shit I left it on the window ledge to try and air it out (laughs) regularly sprayed perfume to stop any potential poo smells from escaping into the hallway I was convinced I was sitting in a sea of foul poo stench when realistically it probably wasn't that bad but i'm fully spiraled by this point lol 
lol night came i like the lol night, night came. came and i made my move i slipped out and managed to fling the carrier bag filled with shit into the outside bins and got back to my room with no one noticing the relief i felt was beyond compare it was finally gone i've never lit so many candles or sprayed so many perfumes in my life as i did that day the poo smell was haunting me for hours after we parted ways i kept thinking there was a whiff of it but i was just paranoid anyway that's my poo hostage story thanks i'm sorry but if that girl was not doing creative writing at university, then I don't know what the point of that degree was because that was a fucking sensation. Oh my god. I mean, god. she shut in a bin. She shut you know in what? a bin. Writers are weird. They do that sort of thing all the time. But artists are. Van Gogh lost an ear. That is not the weird part that she well, that is the weird part that she shut in a bin. <laughs> not weird part, I mean that's not the horrifying part, but the fact that she slept with it. <laughs> <laughs> she slept with the poo. Oh, bless her. <laughs> no, but you know what? You know what? We're so quick to judge, right, in this society. Like, we're like, oh, weird that you took a poo in a bin. But when you hear the backstory, you're like that. You're like, of course you took a poo in a bin. Where else were you going to take the poo? You had to do this. And you, you, I'm, you know, like, I was, I, I felt like, like she just, you know, I just, I was willing nothing but the best for her. I didn't think she was weird for sleeping with her shit. Like, no, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's. I just think it's quite horrifying, you know, that she had to sleep yeah. with her shit. But yeah, it's a lot. It 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 is a lot. Oh God, God love her. Yeah, God love you. And well and done. Well Covert done. Mission. Well Six, done. Great success. I love that. I love that. Because you're right, it would have been fucking mortifying if everybody walks in, they're like, why have you got a shit under your bed? It would have been Why have you put disgusting. your shit on your windowsill? That you can never get over that. Like, that. that's a story that will haunt you forever. So thank God. Wow. Yeah. That is an yeah. embarrassing story. Oh, yeah. Love it. Thanks, babe. Thanks for sharing. Do you think next week, maybe we won't talk about poo? Probably not. Right. We have tortured these poor people's ears for far too long it's quarter past ten which for me is incredibly late out i'm an, I'm, I'm like a nine o'clock yeah this is like i've got actually, this is very... seven. I've, got, I've got to go oh shit i'm so sorry okay you go all the best um kind regards have a nice life Oh my god! What? Bye. I don't know. We. I don't know. I don't know. We always struggle to. I. I am not myself tonight. I am. So, I. I feel like I have not been good on this episode. And next week I will be back and better than ever. But I have got too many words in my head right now, and it's. I'm very confused. So that's why I'm mm-hmm. not making any sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. If anyone listens to Alex's audiobook and it's like when it gets to like the sort of like two thirds of the way through, if it starts getting really shit, you'll know why. <laughs> shit and she's yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> right. Um well my friends, thank you very right. much for listening. We will be back thank next week. Listening. Huge shout out to Daisy who's uh Gonna have have to have a huge edit on this. <laughs> Catastrophic. We're really sorry, Daisy. Um, lads, if you've got anything to ask us for, is it just me or any embarrassing stories that you want us to read out? And honestly, yes. we promise. Um, or you just want to join the gang? Please do send us an email to should I delete that pod at gmail.com or send us a DM to the podcast Instagram, which is should I delete that. 
we will be back next Monday. Very professional. That was, good, um, that was so yeah, professional. Well, to, be honest, to be honest, I've looked at the situation. I've looked at you today and I've been like, this is a fucking mess. I think I ought to, I think I ought to start spreading my wings. Someone's I think got I'm going to put a professional voice and just see perhaps that there might be a space for me in radio with someone a bit more reliable oh as my, a partner. Oh my God, so are you going to leave me? that might be good for me. I'm just going to see what my options are. Are oh, you? Yeah. Oh <laughs> my god! As if, as if, as if. Who would take me? Who would take me? Who oh would be god. in my cool gang? Imagine what a blow that would be to me. You know how sensitive I am. Imagine if you dump me. Oh my god! I know. I'm in this for life. Don't worry. Ugh. Not necessarily because I want to be, but just because I genuinely <laughs> don't know how I would leave. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're fucking off. Okay. Okay. Okay, we are um, actually going. <laughs> okay, we love you. Thank you very much for listening. We'll we love you so week. much. Good. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>